0: I actually had that experience myself in Parliament last week. <laughs> so, oh my God. During, during a speech that was happening um, that Max was giving on housing, which is amazing, you should check it out. While he was giving it, one of the Labour MPs yelled out across the chamber at us, because I sit like, right next to him. Something along the lines of, like, you're so immature, come back here in 10 years when you've grown up. And I was just like... That just for me just summed up like the disdain for young people yeah. that exist in politics that just like if you come in with what they think are radical ideas like mm. the idea that maybe maybe you shouldn't have homelessness or <laughs> maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe <you>
1: everybody <laughs> deserves to feel safe maybe everyone should have yeah. health care
0: literally like those crazy radical ideas they just think oh you're just young and stupid you don't know what you're talking about you don't know how the world works I think.
1: No, I actually what? do know how the world works and yep. that's the problem.
0: Exactly, that's exactly what I was gonna say, it's like, no, the issue here is that I've seen how it works and <laughs> not a fan, it's pretty gross, and we actually it's want not to change for that. Me. yeah. It's, it's not for me, I did not sign up for this.
1: This episode was recorded on the stolen land of the Gimwe Walabari and Dinchy people. I pay my respects to the Elders of this land and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. Welcome back to another episode of Queers These Days. I'm your host, Piper. I use they, them pronouns, and I am a Gemini sun, Virgo moon, and Sagittarius rising. And today on the podcast, there is a fantastic guest, the MP for Brisbane, the wonderful Stephen Bates. Hello, Stephen.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, Thank you for being
1: here. No, 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 it's
0: exciting. Stephen, um, he, him pronouns, and. I'm curious to see your reaction, because everyone always says the same thing. I'm Sagittarius Double Scorpio. Yeah, that's what everyone does. (laughs) They're always like, "Oh,
1: Love. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for finding the time to sit down and talk to me, Stephen. I know that you're a busy bee at the moment. Yeah,
0: it's been... We just had the budget last week. So dealing with fallout from the budget and basically... Another budget that I feel does nothing for queer people and leaves young people behind. So, sort of what I was expecting going in, but that doesn't make it not disappointing. So we've been, yeah, really getting out there talking about you know the big things that are important. You know, dealing with the housing crisis, building more social and public housing, getting rights for renters. Dental into Medicare, canceling student debt, all the all the good
1: things. So. All that, all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> all that stuff. So the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about was your bill that you have to allow sixteen year olds to vote. Um, I I think I was saying that when I was sixteen during the um, twenty nineteen election when the Liberals got reelected, mm. I sent an email to Scott Morrison and I was like, if I can have sex at sixteen, I should be able to vote. Um, and <laughs> did so... you get a reply? I did. I did get a oh reply. Please. Yeah, it was a very generic response and it was kind of condescending and patronizing. It was like, you know, a large, a great part of our democracy is the fact that we can all have our opinions and not everyone has to agree with you.
0: I'm surprised you even got a response. I'm genuinely oh my god, me too. Me, me too. <laughs> because especially when it comes from young people, usually they just like drag into the bin. Yeah, don't, even, don't even open it. Yeah, but I'm not sure if I would rather no response or a condescending. I No, I would rather no response, I think, than a condescending reply. So, I think
1: I liked it because I knew that even if it was for, like, maybe 10 minutes, I knew that um, he was thinking about me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true, you were living rent right free.
1: At least <laughs> I know I took up time in his day.
0: That's true, that's true. Take the wins where you can get them. Exactly. I think, like, I think it's such a good point, though, because, well, that response is really sort of em- emblematic of why... 16 and 17 year olds should be allowed to vote because Mm. as you saw from that response, like there was no reason for him to care about your opinion or Mm. care about what you thought, because you weren't going to be able to really influence whether or not he kept his job or not. And so I think that's why, you know, we've, we've had a policy for a long time in the Greens of giving, expanding the vote to cover 16 and 17 year olds. And that comes from, well, just the core principle that we expect so much of 16 and 17 year olds now more than what we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. And originally the voting age was lowered from 21 to 18 to reflect new responsibilities that 18 and 19 and 20 year olds were having to do. So that involved, you know, having jobs, paying taxes. The big one though was you were able to enlist in the military from the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And so now flash forward to 2023, all those same standards are now being met for 16 and 17 year olds. So, you know, you're able to get jobs, pay taxes, work, You've got the longest time to live in the society. <laughs> yeah. So you should oh, be yeah. able to have a say in it. And you can now enlist in the ADF when you're 16 and a half. So all those factors are being met again now. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing what we did 50 years ago, again today, lowering the voting age. You know, we've seen there's so many countries around the world that have already done this and lowered it to 16 and have seen nothing but positive outcomes yeah my favorite example that i like is germany so in germany they have some states lowered it to 16 and some kept it at 18 so you basically got to have this sort of experiment to compare exactly what would happen in different states and the states that lowered it to 16 had higher participation rates in democracy more more generally so not just among younger cohorts as those 16 and 17 year olds got older and moved up through the age brackets their involvement in politics also grew so because voting was more habitual from a younger age that actually carried through to higher participation rates in democracy as they got older and across all age brackets and in states where the voting age was was 18 that didn't happen so they had that exact sort of yeah perfect experiment almost and so what they've done now in germany is they've decided to make the voting age 16 at a federal level so they've seen all the positive outcomes and have decided to make it national because it was so effective.
1: Yeah. That's so, a very common Yeah, that's kind thing, of why... That, like, stuff yeah. will happen in Europe that the rest of the world is like, oh, maybe this is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it happens a
0: lot. Usually, yeah, uh, Germany or, like, the Scandinavian countries, oh they always God, seem yeah. to be the one where everyone's like, wow, look what they're doing. That's really successful.
1: Uh, that kind of leads into another question I have for you is, why do you think that Gen Z are not really taken seriously whenever we are talking about political issues or whenever we are saying, like, mm. hey, these decisions that you're making are going to have an impact on us. and Because people don't really, they almost, they're just like, oh, you don't have a lot of life experience. Like, oh, what do you know?
0: I actually had that experience myself in Parliament last week. <laughs> so <laughs> during, <laughs> during a speech that was happening um, that Max was giving on housing, which is amazing. and You should check it out. While he was giving it, one of the Labour MPs yelled out across the chamber at us, because I sit like right next to him. Something along the lines of, Like you're so immature, come back here in ten years when you've grown up. And I was just like that just for me just summed up like the disdain for young people that exist in politics. That just like if you come in with what they think are radical ideas, like the idea that maybe maybe you shouldn't have homelessness. (laughs) Or maybe Maybe (laughs) Maybe
1: everybody (laughs) deserves to feel safe. Maybe everyone should have healthcare.
0: Literally, like those crazy radical ideas. They just think, oh, you're just young and stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know how the world works. And I think...
1: No, I actually what? do know how the world works, and yeah. that's the problem.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, no, the issue here is that I've seen how it works and not a fan. It's pretty gross. And we actually <laughs> it's want to change that. It's not for me. Yeah. It's, it's not for me. I did not sign up for this.
1: No, and it actually was yeah, not they... built for people like me. It was built for people like you. No.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think they... Are so dismissive
1: mm.
0: of younger generations who have grown up in this pivotal time of like the GFC and the economy is going to trash and inequality is getting worse. And they see the government as not doing anything and sort of trying to wash its hands of everything. And young yeah. people don't want that. They want to create a society where everyone can feel safe and where we have universal healthcare and where we have yeah. all these good services. When you're coming into the face of these politicians who don't or who think that they've already got it figured out and that everything's perfect and you should be grateful for them mm. they're yeah they're, they're taken aback by that so i think that's why i think that's why because young people gen z in particular coming through with what i don't think are radical ideas no. but they are coming through with hey society's broken we should probably try and you know actually try fix, and fix that. it. yeah <laughs> um and it's just an affront to established politicians and so that's yeah. the reason I think they tried to dismiss
1: you. My favorite example to like throw in my um, my dad's side of the family, um, like his parents' like face whenever we're talking about politics and they're like, oh, back in my day and things like the classic back in my day. But one thing that I always say is I'm like, you went to university for free. You went to university mm. in TAFE for free. And then somewhere along the lines, they decided that they could profit off of it. So yeah. that's not fair. <laughs>
0: A lot of the time, as well, it is like when they say back in my day, it's like, yeah, actually kind of like a lot of that economic stuff is what we're asking for again now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, it's like, yeah, actually, yeah, I want to be able to buy a house for $5,000. That would be really nice if I could <laughs> do that. When I was, I was just like talking to my parents about like my traveling plans and things like that, and my parents like, you don't want to save money for a house deposit? I'm like, in this economy? You think I'm going to own a house? No! Like,
0: I, I'm never going to own one, so I may as well enjoy going to...
1: I know, yeah. And my mum will be like, oh, but when you're 40 and doing this, I'm like, mum, you think I'm going to be 40? The climate crisis might kill me before then. Like, I just, it's just a complete
0: disconnect. Like the government just approved their first coal mine. So again, I'm not sure, like, and that's the thing, because they don't want to listen to young people and they don't actively engage. And then when they do engage and young people tell them, oh, hey, um, climate change is a big issue. And we want to live in a habitable planet. Yeah. The government will go. Oh, okay. So no, um, yeah. <laughs> does not actually what we want to do. It's like it's one thing to say you're listening, but it's another thing to actually act on that. Like yeah. it's all well and good to say we like young people, but then if you're making decisions that make the climate crisis worse and making the housing crisis worse, do you worse, really
1: like young people? Don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you'll leave. you we're... we're inheriting. Like, a dying planet. It's... Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't our fault, but it's our responsibility to, like, help <laughs> clean it up. And it's like, All we're trying so out. hard. Yeah. I know. And it's like, what? Well, like, we're happy to do it, but we just need a little bit of help. Sometimes I genuinely sit down and I think, and I'm like, you know what? I do not know how to wrap my head around the fact that solving the climate crisis is not everybody's number one priority. And I'm quite literally running out of ways to say this. Like, it's just... Yeah, yeah. It's like, you, yeah. Sorry, there's no, no money no. on a dead planet. I know that money is a big thing for the government but yeah. the, the, you can't you can't profit if you're dead. Oh, I mean, that's I not true. I'm, mean f- one. Sure I'm sure there I'm sure they'd find of, a way. Yeah. <laughs> what meme did you see? I thought
0: it one, I was just this meme that I saw once and it was like people sitting around a campfire during the climate wars and it was like, well, at least we made some shareholders a lot of money ten years ago. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs>
1: I want to know, are there more people that complain in Parliament or in retail?
0: Oh, good question. Oh, I'm going to say it's about the same. I feel like working retail and then i had done some hospo before that actually set me up better for this job than I think anything else could have possibly.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just a customer service job at the end of the day. Like You've got to be able to talk to people, communicate with them, get a message across also kind of like you know sell your ideas and sell your values Mm. and your policies and everything so i think yeah i found it super beneficial and easy to transfer those skills from retail over into into politician
1: that's that's amazing (laughs) um well that was um that's actually what my next question was going to be it was like how did working in retail like prepare you to represent young people in parliament and Mm -hmm. queer youth
0: Yeah, well, the retail store that I worked at was full of young people and queer people.
1: Oh, so. It
0: worked out really well. Yeah, well, that's the thing because I was working with everyone around me was similar boat, you know? Like, everyone was renting, or a lot of single parents, people who just bought a house and were trying to pay a mortgage off. It was sort of very much, you were working amongst normal, normal, quote (laughs) unquote, normal people who were just like going about their lives and trying their best to get by and you know earning smack bang median wage of the country and so that really really helped me and set me up for for success I think because if this idea of people like struggling and making these hard decisions wasn't abstract or just something that you know I'd heard about through through connections or whatever it was something that I was living with day to day and myself and also watching everyone around me live with having to make those decisions day to day too so i think coming from that background really gives you that a those communication skills that i was talking about before but mm-hmm. also be the groundedness i suppose in that you're coming from from like regular
1: people
0: <laughs> <As> <laughs> lack of a the regular people i know but like so many people in there are your stock stand like stereotypes in terms of like lawyers or former property developers and investors and things like that there's a very sort of idea of what a politician what a politician is and what they should be and where they should come from and i suppose coming from this background being so different i think has been nothing but nothing but beneficial
1: yeah and it's because it's like it's lived experience too like the Mm -hmm. the people that you're um like trying to represent you were one of those people at some point in time so you know what they need
0: very recently. Yeah. I was thinking this the other day, I was like, oh my god, a year ago I was working in a shop. You know, <laughs> like it's, so, it's still crazy sometimes. And now I'm arguing
1: stuff. with people in the chambers. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> a different kind of shop.
1: A different ki- <laughs> At what point did you decide that you wanted to run for MP? I,
0: well, it kind of comes in two parts. So when I lived over in America, that was when I started oh, getting interested in politics. yeah Yeah. thank you (laughs) it was an experience but like one i would never do again but one that i'm glad i have because it got me interested in politics and made me political and so but it's sort of for me it was sort of like i want to make sure this sort of society never happens in australia and but i don't know how to do that if that makes sense so i sort of Thought maybe, oh, maybe if I get like involved in policy work and like the public service or something, maybe that's the way to go and that's the way to do it. I joined the Greens in 2019 after that federal election where you wrote to SCOMO. Okay,
1: yeah.
0: And I, because I also did not like the result of that election. So oh, shocking! I, shocking! I, I, and so I joined the Greens that night with one of my friends. He made me join. He's like, we're signing up right now. We're actually going to do it. We're going to get involved. Yeah. So it came to. State election we had in Queensland in 2020, end of 2020, mm-hmm. and we needed someone to be a candidate. And I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. It's, I guess, I guess I can do that. That's fine. That's still volunteering." So I was only I was a candidate for the state seat of Stafford, and it was only like a three week, four week campaign or something like that. Enough time to get suppliers printed and stand at the yeah. booth, handing them out, and um, but you could talk to so many people, which was really cool. And then I went back to my retail job mm-hmm. and was like oh oh, okay that's what I want to do yeah. <laughs> that is where I found finally found like my passion and where I want to go in life and so yeah, yeah. really only from sort of then I thought maybe this is something that I should be exploring and I talked to people before the federal election now what's it like being a candidate was it what should I expect like what was your experience um, any advice that sort of stuff And so, yeah, I had a lot of thinking and then thought, okay, you know, put your hand up. Like, what's Mm. the worst thing that's going to happen, basically? like, And then, yeah, I got pre-selected and then we ran the campaign for a year, doing that for a year while I was also working full-time still because I started to pay bills. So you just didn't
1: sleep, basically.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. (laughs) A lot of late nights lying in bed stressing about money was basically (laughs) that. But... Yeah, and then yeah, I was just like, I was lucky enough to win on the back of a lot of hard work and a lot of volunteers, and
1: yeah.
0: I think you've always got to have a bit of luck as well. But
1: yeah. did you know that Sagittarius is the social justice warrior of the zodiac signs?
0: I did know that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was told it by one of my friends.
1: Whenever I know that a politician has a Sagittarius placement, in a big three, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll do a
0: poll. I'll yeah, give all please. 70, yeah, co-star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, one thing that I loved about your campaign was that you ran some of it on Grindr. <laughs> and yeah. how did you like even come up because that is so smart, so resourceful. How did how did you do that? It was just like a sort of
0: flippant decision that we made in the campaign team. Yeah. And we thought because a lot of my electorate in Brisbane, a lot of it's apartments, so you can't mm-hmm. really door knock them because yeah. you can't get into the buildings and you can't talk to people that way so i was like oh is there a way we can do like like social media ads and then i was like oh well, there's a lot of a lot of queer people that live in in the electorate and in particular parts of the electorate um i was like and i'm gay so maybe there's something there and then i was like maybe we just do grinder ads
1: yeah like,
0: <laughs> and so that's sort of it just came as just another sort of way to meet people get talk to people where they're at yeah and so I thought of just doing grinder ads. That part was my idea, but then the actual content of them was a team effort. So having them very tongue in cheek and sort of like you know a little bit risque was yeah, no, was a team collective
1: effort. But I it worked. Like, just, I, it, yeah, it worked. You're, you're in parliament now. It just I just love that so much because it's just like oh no, i kind of, I want queer people to know that they can vote for me for me to represent them. Like you know, so this is this is where they are. I'm going to tell
0: them. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I thought sort of, you know, you shouldn't, I was like, we can't do like super serious ads because it's Grindr. So you've got to make mm-hmm. it fun and interesting and make people want to click it. And then I remember um, they went up and they weren't that expensive to do. So the return on them was amazing. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, we we had a call from, I think it was Pedestrian or Junkie one of them mm, the one like of them. a couple of days after they went up and they were like oh we've just seen one of your ads and we want to do a whole story on them and then it just sort of snowballed into all this media attention and i was like oh my god this is wild <laughs> yeah. got um ranked as like one of the best campaign moves or campaign ads in australia no,
1: genuinely for... i think it is yeah
0: was so wild. But now I'm like, what are we going to do in 2020, the next election? <laughs> like, I can't do the same thing again. We have to yes, one-up you can.
1: it. Yes, you can. Oh, so do it on Grinder and then do it on her, the sapphic dating app as well.
0: Good idea. Yeah,
1: get both audiences.
0: Yes, yes, done.
1: That's so fun. Oh, my- that's so in- like, interesting that you already have to think about the next election too, because you're like, oh, I need to get reelected. I hope you do. Yeah.
0: It's a thr- oh thank you. <laughs> no, so it's t- okay, they're three year terms and which is really really short. Like because you especially so short, when you're new, yeah. you spend the first sort of six to nine months figuring out. Like you've got to set up an office, you're learning how Parliament works, you're doing all of that, and then you get a year in, which we're basically at now, and then you think, oh my god, like <laughs> you've got yeah, to get I'm... back into that election mode almost. So
1: yeah, your first speech in Parliament, you dedicated to queer youth. and it was very beautiful and heartfelt and i yeah appreciated that so much and it was very lovely it
0: was i had written a whole other speech oh
1: really what was was the original speech
0: i can't even remember now because it was so bad and i remember reading it the night before and i was like this is this is horrible i don't like anything that i've written it's all gross and it doesn't feel like natural Mm -hmm. and so i literally wrote that one at like 11 pm the night before i gave it and just like sort of sat down at the computer and was like zen what would what do you actually want to say and then just sort of word dumped into a google doc and sort of yeah then fixed it up a bit in the morning and then yeah it was it's very surreal giving that first speech in parliament especially because like like before you come out you never think you're going to come out and you're always like is this ever going to happen? Am I going to have to just lie about myself forever? And then I, yeah, as I was sort of reading it, and then I started crying, it was because I sort of, it was this like full circle moment for me where everything that had happened in the last year, like the campaign and all of that and getting elected and then talking about this publicly all sort of just like hit me. (laughs) What was happening? And it was sort of like, oh my God, you're like, you thought you were never gonna be out, you thought you were never gonna tell anyone, and now you've like you've been elected and people knew you were gay and yeah. they still wanted to vote for you and Aww. now you're doing this speech in Parliament. It was just very like a healing. It was very vote. cathartic. It was, yes, yeah. it was. And then yeah, I'm glad it resonated. I got so many emails and phone calls after from people like and around the world too. Like we got parliamentarians in like Ireland. That reached out thing, that they really liked it, and I
1: was like, oh, tick. Well, what has your experience being queer in Parliament and being openly queer in Parliament like? Mm. It's been
0: it's been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. To be honest, that's good. I went in with very I went in with very low expectations.
1: I mean, <laughs> so, I would too, because I because yeah. then maybe you can't get disappointed. Because then if it's better than yeah. what you think it is, then you're like, oh, what a nice little bonus.
0: Exactly. So I went in like, oh, everyone's gonna call you names and heckle you and say these terrible things about you. But um, that, yeah, no, no one's done that, which has been, which has been, which has been great. That's so <laughs> lovely. Know? It's always That's a good day well, when you right. don't get slurred.
1: Yeah. That's
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> why so I take that as a win. But um, I, it's cool getting to be able to, yeah, kind of drive those conversations and bring up queer issues in parliament because from what I've seen, if, if I don't do it, no one else does yeah so it's cool getting to have that that angle in when you're having meetings with ministers and saying oh you know we can't you can't approve this and like sell this as a win if you just include you know know, trans people in this definition or if you do this in this definition or whatever it may be expand it to cover these groups of people
1: yeah that's actually um I've recently been looking into getting top surgery and I, because of the healthcare, like the private health insurance that I'm on, Mm. like my parents, it does cover mastectomies. And so when I was looking into that, they were like, oh no, it's actually only for people with cancer. And I was like, oh, okay. So then, um, and then I was told that if that was something I wanted to look into, I had to do it outside of the private health insurance. And then it's like $12,000 and I was like, "What?" then I was talking to one of my friends in Canada about it and she was like, this is wait that's ridiculous it's covered by canadian medicare and i was like fucking course it is
0: at the end of the day gender affirming healthcare is the scientific consensus on what what you should be doing oh that's the thing when you don't have really anyone in your cabinet who is advocating for those issues or you don't have a minister that's advocating for those issues they completely drop off the table if there's not a voice in the room talking about it then no one. then it doesn't listen. get talked no about and listen.
1: then things don't improve exactly yeah I remember telling my grandma that the Greens wanted to put uh, dentistry into Medicare, and she immediately was like, "Oh my God, that makes so much sense! Like, why aren't the other parties doing that?" And I was like, "Exactly, Grandma. Why aren't the other parties doing that?" And that then is she a good
0: was just, yes. "Yeah, the dental to Medicare. It just well, it's a no brainer. Like, yeah. it's such a something that should have been done so long ago, and something that would benefit literally every single person in the country from." Yeah the moment you have teeth to the moment you lose them
1: (laughs) actually wasn't that that. something that I think I remember seeing something that you said recently that you like because of the new wage that you're on you were able Mm. to afford getting um like dental (laughs) surgery whereas you couldn't have done that if you were still in retail
0: yeah so I (laughs) yeah I got asked by someone journalist at the abc was like oh now that you're on this big money have you bought a house yet i'm like no the first thing i did was book a dentist appointment because i had the dentist said i needed fillings and they were like how much they were now but i was like oh okay i can't afford that right now so i'll have to save and then and then get the fillings when i can afford it and then i (laughs) went to the dentist after I got elected, and I was like, okay, now I have the money. I can get the fillings done now. And um, they like looked around. They were like, okay, so they've gotten worse, and now they're root canals. So you need two root canals. And if you, if you ever have to have a root canal, the worst thing that I've ever experienced okay. in the dentist. Oh, great. Um, not to scare anyone, but um, <laughs> if you don't have those preventative measures of healthcare in place, which is what dental into Medicare is, yeah. then... Poverty charges interest, you know, like you can't afford a filling now, so you have to get a root canal in six months' time, which is more expensive, worse for your health. So yeah. yeah, getting dental into Medicare is essential, I think. And one of the most popular policies that I think we've ever had is the Greens, you know, last time we were in balance of power in the lower house in 2010, we managed to get dental into Medicare for kids, and that was just from having one lower house MP.
1: Perfect. Well, we'll wrap up now and I'll do the question. Do you want to pick from the self-love edition or the self-reflection oh. edition?
0: Oh, I do love a self-reflection.
1: Self-reflection? Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous and excited.
1: When was the last time I felt most in my element? What was I doing?
0: Oh, last time I felt most in my element. I do love speaking um, at a rally. And a protest. Mm,
1: I, I organized that. the school strike for climate um, events in Cairns when I was a teenager, and oh, I liking. definitely agree. I loved that.
0: It is fun because you just yeah. get to like, you get so amped up, and everyone's all mm-hmm. everyone's there with oh, you. Oh, there's something
1: about love. the crowd. Yeah, I think yeah. last time I felt most of my element was when I was traveling because I'm also a Sagittarius mm-hmm. rising, so exploring the world. <laughs> um, yes, love but that. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to me, Stephen. I really loved this.
0: No, thank you. Anytime. Happy to come oh. back.
1: Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you if they want to?
0: Put, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Um, if you're in Brisbane, the Brisbane electorate, you can yeah. email us, stephen.base.mp at au. Come into the office, say hello. Yeah, there's lots of different yeah. ways. Or if you're ever in Canberra, just head into the house of Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> just... <your> way. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs>